All right, let's turn to Psalm 119 and look at verse number 57. We'll read the section from last week because I do want to cover verse 63. And then we'll start in verse number, uh, we'll, we'll go into the set that begins with the Hebrew, uh, the next set in verse number uh, 65, okay? All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, everyone that's here this morning. Lord, I pray for our services. Lord, I pray especially that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the great things you have done would be exalted and glorified among us. And uh, our faith would be strengthened. We would be uh, comforted and encouraged. I pray for your people. Lord, help your people to, to be responsive to the uh, promptings of your Spirit among us. Lord, that they would be present, that they would be attentive to your Word. Lord, help me as well. Uh, as I try to help your people this, this morning in Sunday school, I pray that you would uh, give me wisdom to know uh, what to say to your people, and that you would use it, Lord, if you would be pleased to strengthen your people that are here this morning. As we look in your word, Lord, we need what your word says. We need the reminders of it. I pray that your word would uh, examine us and would help us and would encourage us and strengthen us and our faith would increase. So, Lord, we just confess we need you, and not only that, but we want you uh, to show yourself. We know you're among us, but we want you to show yourself among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, all right, verse number 60, uh, 57 says this, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me, according to thy word. I thought on my ways, and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. O Lord, the earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Verse 65 is our memory verse for this week, lest I forget to tell you. All right? Verse 66, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good, and doest good, teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Now, we'll start in verse number 63. Some of the verses in our current set uh, of eight for this week, starting in verse 65 to 72, some of those we've already covered. We, covered, we, we spent uh, an entire week or two talking about affliction, and so we did cover at least two verses in there. And we also talked about um, 
uh, the, how the word of God is compared to other things. Its value is compared to other things, and that's verse 72. So we won't cover that again. Um, and then we also talked about, spent a little bit of time talking about the proud. So I, I'm just not going to, we're not going to, you know, go over those things again. We'll look at the verses that we haven't, haven't really covered in our previous lesson. So starting in verse 63, verse 63 covers what we might call peer pressure or what we might call our companionship, who we call our friends. Verse 63 says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Now, oftentimes, at least in my experience, oftentimes when you talk about your peer group, that's often terminology that's used with young people, right? Kids in school, because kids, kids are very... Uh, are influenced easily. And so we talk about how important it is that we have, you have good peer pressure and you don't give in to bad peer pressure. I remember when I was in elementary school, we had the D.A.R.E. program. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the D.A.R.E. program. It was the, they came in and taught you not to, you know, not to be around people that did drugs and stuff like that. So, so often young people are the ones we talk about when we talk about who our friends are. But it is not, it is not. This question is not just a question for young people. It is just as pertinent for older people. In fact, verse 63 has nothing to do with age. He says, David, assuming David wrote Psalm 119, David is a full-grown man. And he still says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Now, just a few thoughts on this, on this matter of who are, who are our companions? Who are our companions? David is selective about who his companions are, who his friends are. Now, one, one truth we come to realize is when, when you, now many of you, many of you got saved as a, as a, as a child or as a, a young person. And so maybe you were, maybe your family was a Christian family and so your group of friends were already believers and already people that, you know, followed the Lord and lived uprightly. But for many, of, many others of you, that's not the case. You came from a, a, a family and a, had a circle of friends that was not godly, that was ungodly, that loved sin. That's kind of like what my family was. And what I know is that when I got saved and when people get saved... And they, they, they are converted. One of the results of that conversion is that their companions change. You know why? Because they change. It is a direct result of the gospel's effect upon them. Because one of two things happens. See, when a person gets saved and as a result of that, their life changes, one of two things happens. They, may, they have to make a choice. And see, we talk about, well, you don't need to have these friends, you need to have that, those friends, and, and I'll discuss that in a minute. But, but what usually happens is when a person gets saved, they have to make a choice as to who their friends are going to be. They're either going to compromise with sin, and they're going to, as the Bible says, wink at sin. What that means is they're just going to kind of close their eyes and overlook it when their group of companions, former companions that they've had uh, continue to be wicked, they're going to just wink at it and they're just going to tolerate it. And as a result, usually that's 
one of the beginnings of a, of a downgrade because they've made the wrong choice. On the other hand, if they make the choice of God has changed my life and I can no longer tolerate this, you know what they do? The moment they open their mouth, the moment they live right in front of others, you, you, listen, you don't, you don't have to go around preaching at people. And there are times, the Bible says, there are times to rebuke evil. All right, so it's not, it's not a sin to say, you know, like I tell Joshua when he's at work and he works, with a, he works with some people that talk about absolute filth. I mean, trash. And I tell Joshua, you know, you don't have to go around all the time and saying, you ought not say that, you ought not do that. You, you don't have to do that. But there are times when you need to say, I don't want to hear that garbage. That's wicked. There are times to do that. And you just got to be discerning. But the moment you say that, the moment you say that, you don't have to really worry about whether they will continue to be your companion. Usually the result of that, the byproduct of that, is they're like, eh, you're not cool anymore. <laughs> and so they withdraw from you. And so the problem is solved. You know what it comes from? It comes from our walk with the Lord. You see that? It's a, the Lord protects us from bad influences by our walk with Him. Now, but we got to be careful that we don't take this too far. Here's what I mean by that. He says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. You know, if you look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says this. If you want to write it down or look it up later, it says this. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now, as I said, you know, there's a, a strong biblical principle that who we choose to, to associate with and befriend and to, to run with as our companion says a lot about us, says a great deal about us. So, so we need to be careful. We need to be cognizant of that, who your friends are and who my friends are. And I know I'm talking to adults. I understand and it's not just a it's not just a, a a problem with youth. It's also a problem with adults. The the issue is that adults are a lot less likely to change their group of friends if they find issues. Adults are far more likely to ignore obvious evil and to tolerate it. And that's the the toleration of evil is really the the crux of it. But you can take it too far. Here's what I mean. The Bible says in Luke chapter, um, I wrote it down, Luke 7, 34, the, the Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. But then also in John 15, verse 14, the Bible says that Jesus called his disciples friends. So explain to me how, how you can rectify the fact that Jesus was a friend of sinners with this verse. I am a companion of, of all them that fear thee. You see, here's the thing. Be, because we say, just because we say we need to be careful who our companions are, does not mean that we no longer have any association with people that don't, that aren't, that don't fear God. We can't do that. We can't do that. Just like the Lord was a friend of sinners, in other words, a sinner, a person who, does it, who, 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 was, who needed Him, 
right? One who was sick, needed the physician. That person would say, he's my friend. But then Jesus had a close association with friends, the disciples. He also called his friends. You know what? You could, you could say those are kind of two different aspects, two different aspects. With the one, Jesus was there to help them. With the other, Jesus was there to fellowship with them. All right? So just because we say we need to be careful who our friends are does not mean that we need to just keep people that need the gospel, keep people that, that, that need the truth at arm's length and say, well, I'm not going to be around them for fear that they might corrupt me. No, no, no. Actually, the reverse. We should go befriend those people. But that doesn't mean, and here's, here's where it, the rubber meets the road, that doesn't mean that those people are brought into our close acquaintance to influence us. Because listen, if, if we're living for God and we're living uprightly, our light is going to be uncomfortable to others who live in darkness. And if it's not, if it's not, it doesn't make people at times uncomfortable. I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm just talking about trying to live for God. If that doesn't make people who do not fear the Lord uncomfortable sometimes, then it might be that what we're doing is we're tolerating things that we should not be tolerating. We're not speaking up and we should be speaking up. And we're going along to get along and we're making them think that the Lord's approval is upon what they're doing. And that's not okay because that actually brings harm upon the name of the Lord. When we say we know God, but then we, we're doing things that they know that we should not be doing. That's a bad place to be in. That's a bad place to be in. You think about, think about you know, our, our, where, we're our, as it, where we are as a church, you know, with a, a new pastor. We look at the requirements of a bishop. What does it say? Titus chapter 1 verse 8 says this, that a bishop is supposed to be a lover of hospitality. It says a lover of good men. You know what that means? That means a pastor... The, the companionship of that man, what the men he associates with tells you about him. And that's what a church is to look at. So it matters who our companions are. It matters. It matters. There's one other thing in verse number 63 I want to point out. I am a companion, look at, look at the text if you would, of all them that fear thee. All them that fear thee. Now think about the word all there. Now, are there people that fear God, who love God, who are born again Christians, who live holy lives, but do not agree with us in some matters? Are there people like that? Do those people exist? Yes. It is important for us to acknowledge that. Listen, we cannot, listen, we cannot get to a point as, as individuals that we cut off everybody around us that does not agree with us in every minute point and say, I'm not, I, I'm not going to show them any honor. I, I'm not even going to acknowledge. They're probably not even safe. You know, I, I've been around, I've been around people like that. That 
If you, you know, if you, and I'll give you the example. Everybody knows our church's position on the King James Bible. We do not apologize for that, right? Can I, can I just get a little nod, right? We believe, <laughs> we believe that. We believe that. <laughs> but, but there are people that use other versions of the Bible who love God and are born again Christians. That is just a fact. But I've heard people say, well, if they use another Bible, they're probably not even saved. He says, I am a companion of all of them that fear thy name, that fear thee. You see that? All them. Now, listen, just because another person is a believer and has a different opinion on this matter or that matter, and it might be to us important matters, but just because they, they have a different opinion and we say, well, listen, I don't agree with you, but you know what? I, I acknowledge that you are my, my brother in Christ. Just because you say that doesn't mean you're not acknowledging, you're not saying, oh, I agree, therefore, with everything you say. No, you're not doing that. All you're doing, you're, you're acknowledging, I'm glad there's another person that fears the Lord. That's all you're saying. And you know what? Listen, to summarize this, we should not have enemies in the body of Christ. Right? We shouldn't have enemies in the body of Christ. That doesn't mean we're, we'll agree on every point. But we should not have enemies in the body of Christ. We should be a companion to all those that fear God. So it's just like almost everything, there's a balance to be struck. There's a balance to be struck. You know, there, there are people that say, well, you know, he believes in Christ. I believe in Christ. So we just need to all get together and do the same thing because, you know, he's a believer and I'm a it's not that simple, and we know it. That's not the way it is. There are matters, even Paul and Barnabas separated, right? Good or bad, they separated because they got to a point upon which they could not agree. That doesn't mean that Barnabas went behind Paul's back and said, Paul, you know, he's, he ain't even saved. Or Barnabas went behind Paul's back and said, you know, that, that Paul, he, ain't, he probably ain't even saved. No. But they did. They did fellowship together. They did acknowledge this is a man that fears the Lord, right? On the mission field is a good example of that. Pastor Stewart knew people in Bulgaria that did not agree with him on points, some significant, right? But that didn't mean you cut them off and say, well, you're just like a heathen. You're not, it's not that way. Cambodia is the same way. So it's, it's important for us to believe what we believe but then it's also important for us to have the love of God with those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and, and with whom we will share space in heaven, right? Exactly. So, verse number 65. Thou dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Interesting. What this is is not a prayer for God to do things in the future. Listen to what it says again. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. That's past, that's past looking into the past. Let me ask you a question, though. If you in your life look into the past like the psalmist does in verse 65 here, if you look into the past, what do you see as far as the events of your life? Do you see good things? Do you see good things? Right? Cooper's birth, 
right? You know, hopefully a few months from now, we'll be able to look back and say, Mary married Ryan, right? And that'll be a point of joy. You know, all of us have things in our lives when we look backward that are good and pleasant and bring a smile, smile to our face. But there's not a person here that also has things. You look back into the past and you see things that, that cause you pain and suffering that they still hurt. You know, maybe a loved one that has passed away that you love dearly or, or some harm, some accident, some loss, some illness, whatever it might be. And you look back and you think about that person you miss and you, you long for things to be different than they are. So every one of us has, when we look back in the past, that's what the psalmist is doing. He sees good, he sees bad. But here's what I want you to get. But despite that fact, how does he characterize the Lord's dealing with him? Now, if he, su- he summarizes all of his past life, there's good, there's bad. Certainly for David, that's the case. There's good, there's bad. But when he makes in one statement, the, he, he characterizes the way the Lord has dealt with him, what does he say? You remember in Hebrew, each one of these headings, it's, these are acrostics, right? Or, or the, every one of the eight verses for each set starts with the Hebrew letter that's at the top of that set of eight, right? In this case, this is just a, a, little, a little nugget, they say, a little nugget. But this is interesting. In verse number 65, you know what the first word is? Not like in English, although in English it does start with T like it does in Hebrew. That's kind of interesting. But the first word is actually the word well. Good. That's what it's saying. Good. Because in in other language, you can sometimes switch the grammar. And that's what he's saying. Good has the Lord dealt with me. That's how he characterized all that had happened in the past and the way God had dealt with him. So I want to ask you a question. How do you feel, I'm using that, that term on purpose, about the way the Lord has treated you? Do you feel gypped? See, the way we feel about the way the Lord has treated us it depends not upon what has actually happened because we both have, we all have good and bad. But it depends upon our response to those things that we've experienced, both good and bad. Do we respond in faith and trust in God or are we embittered? You see, because a person who is embittered toward all the things that have happened in their lives they're not going to say, the Lord has dealt well with me. No, they're going to say, the Lord has been hard on me. But the difference is not in the circumstances they've endured. The difference is in whether they responded to those things in faith, in God's providence and good eye upon them. Because just as Joseph, even the evil that comes upon us is, is, comes upon us with God's eye upon us. You remember in Matthew 25, there's a parable. This is just one little part, and I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to go there and look, but there's a parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. Remember that? And there were three men, and the Lord gave each one of the men a certain number of talents, which is, a, which is money. 
and it was time to give an account. So the three came and the two, the first two had been faithful and then the third one was not faithful. What he did is he took the talent and he hid it so that when the Lord came and wanted to make, make account of it, he could give it back to the Lord. And for a long time, I didn't understand why the Lord found fault with him, to be honest. <laughs> so he brings the talent back to the Lord and what does he say? The Lord's like, this is it? And he said, I hid it in the ground because, I, because thou art a, what? what's the word? A hard man. Now, to the, to the first two, the Lord wasn't hard or mean, strict. They didn't view, that, they view him that way. But for the third man, the same Lord to him seemed hard. And I think one word is austere. The, the reality is it was in the perception of the person. It wasn't in... The Lord, the Lord was good. Do we view the events of our lives as filtered and appointed by a good God? Or do we maintain what is basically an atheistic view of our life in which we don't see God in anything that has happened in our lives? It's just fate or fortune or misfortune. See, the difference is in our faith because God does. His eye is upon us. He is seeing us. He is guiding our lives. And He uses both good and evil. And it's only when we embrace that fact and we know it and we are fully persuaded of that fact that we look back on our life like the psalmist does and we say, Lord, you've been good to me. We don't mean that everything that has happened to me has been good. But we mean, we characterize it by saying, God, you've been good. Can you say that? And a lot of it really depends upon our, what we view as blessings. You know, if we, think, if we think of our blessings of our life as just money and prosperity and good health and, and physical, temporal things like that, well, you know, if you have a bad, you know, if you get a bad hand, as they call it, of course, um, that's not language of faith, of course, but if you get a bad hand and you think the blessings of, the blessings of God are only those things, well, you're going to go away thinking, being very disappointed if that doesn't happen to you. But if you understand the, the reality, the blessings of God, though those, we thank God for the, the physical and temporal blessings that we have, but the true blessings are blessings you cannot see because they are spiritual and they are eternal. Now, one day they will be visible. One day they will be visible. One of the blessings of the resurrection is the coming of Christ. Those two are connected in Scripture. Because He lives, we shall live also. And that happens when He returns. Now, look at verse number 68, if you would. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. <clears throat> Very simple truth here. God does good because he is good. God does good because he is good. But that reveals, a, that reveals an important truth in the Bible. Look at, look at the book of 1 John, if you would. Chapter number three. 
1 John chapter 3. Sometimes these verses are a little bit confusing, but I think if we understand them in the right light, I think they're, they're very, actually very helpful. 1 John chapter 3. Here's the, here's, the, here's the truth, the real core truth I want us to get here. is The, the Bible says in, in uh, Psalm 119, Thou art good and doest good. So what the Lord does is an, is a, is an evidence and symbol of who He is. Right? Now look at verse, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness, that's what you do, is righteous. Even as he is righteous. That's interesting. Because if you, if you look at it in the wrong way, you might, might think that what you do is how you get saved. Right? But that's not true, of course, we know. Doctrinally, we know from a doctrinal perspective, we get righteousness when we trust in Christ. He gives us His righteousness and we have none of our own, right? Does everybody understand that? That's the idea of imputed righteousness. That is a doctrinal truth. So we look at this verse in light of that. Now look at verse 10. Verse 10 gives us the reverse. In this, now this tells us, the beginning of this verse tells us that there's this connection between what you do and what you are. In this, is, in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. That's what he does. Neither he that loveth not his brother. So here's the connection. Just, just like with the Lord, thou art good and doest good, the connection between what he does and who he is. He is, so he does. Well, now we apply that to, to ourselves, to believers. When you and I have believed in Christ and He has given us righteousness, we therefore do righteousness. Now, we know we do it imperfectly. We acknowledge that. We're not putting on airs here. But if any man does say, I'm righteous, and does not righteousness, he's a liar. And the reverse is true as well. A person who is not righteous does not do righteousness. It's just that simple. This is just a connection between the works and the, the person. Okay, this does not mean, obviously, it does, doesn't mean that if you do enough righteousness, then God accepts you on that basis. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what it means at all. But it's an evidence of that. It's an evidence of that. Here's the danger, however. Sometimes people who are unrighteous, they're ungodly, they're wicked, they're fakes, they are not the real deal, want to appear righteous by doing good works. But the Bible says God knows their hearts. That was the problem with the Pharisees. Everything they were doing, the doing righteousness, the good works they were doing, they were doing to appear righteous in the sight of men, to be justified in the sight of men. But, but see, th that's where it breaks down. Because just because they did those things was not full proof that they were righteous because what was in their heart was wicked. You remember how the Lord gave the illustration of the cup? He said, you're like a cup 
inwardly is wicked, but outwardly it's beautiful. It's filthy inside. Useless for drinking, but outside, on the outside it's beautiful. But, the, but here's the thing. But if the inside of the cup, the cup is, is clean, should not the outside also be? Right? That's what 1 John is telling us. That's what 1 John is telling us. Now, I'm out of time. So I did not get the chance to talk about verse number 70, which is the verse about fat, which is why I bought the raspberries. So we will have to leave that for next time. Uh, and I have several, several different passages and, and things I want to look at, but we will cover that next time, and hopefully that'll, bad pun, whet your appetite for next week. Okay, all right, let's pray together.